This is Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on your official home of the Flames, Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Travel day and, and uh, you know really used yesterday to turn the page and, and refocus. So um, you get the benefit of uh, of an extra day here uh, to rest up and and uh, get excited about the next challenge, the next step in the journey, and and the difficult test that uh, the Panthers present. That is Maple Leafs captain John Tavares on a game day for the first time in a long time. The Toronto Maple Leafs. Have round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs in their sights. And tonight's opponent, the Florida Panthers, coming off of an upset of their own against the Boston Bruins, provide the first of two games on this Tuesday evening. We're in Dallas. The Seattle Kraken will look to build upon their storybook uh, playoff run that began with a dethroning of the defending Stanley Cup champion, Colorado Avalanche. Welcome to Sportsnet Today. Chloe Gordon along with you. We're coming to you live from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studios here in Calgary, Alberta, Canada. Lots to get to on the program today. We'll uh, move Peter Labardius to kick off hour two of the show today, where we'll chat more Calgary Flames and the fallout of yesterday's news that Daryl Sutter was relieved as head coach of the Flames. We'll look at some potential coaching candidates with Lou. Are there some interesting in-house names that the Flames should consider? Or will a new GM look outside the organization for the next bench boss? We'll talk to Lou about all of that to kick off Hour 2. We've got uh, lots of Round 2 playoff action to get to after the New Jersey Devils completed their seven-game series victory against the New York Rangers last night, so we're all set for round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs. We'll get to that in just moments. And while uh, those teams get ready for round two, we'll also take a look back at a Canadian team that got ousted in round one later on this hour with Ken Weeb from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca covering the Winnipeg Jets. Lots of fallout there from the last couple of days, whether it be Rick Bonus's post-game comments following the loss to the uh, Vegas Golden Knights or Kevin Dayoff's comments at Locker Cleanout Day. The Jets with one of the more fascinating NHL off-seasons to look ahead to, and uh, we'll dive into that with Ken a little bit later on this hour, but we kick things off. Looking ahead to tonight's schedule on the NHL calendar, round two of the Stanley Cup playoffs begins tonight at 5 o'clock. The Florida Panthers, the Toronto Maple Leafs, who, you know, if we're being honest about it, probably the most unlikely matchup to get in round two from both sides. Whether you wanted to believe that the Toronto Maple Leafs curse of not getting to the second round in almost 20 years was going to continue against Tampa Bay, and they're a very sturdy opponent. As Matthew Kachuk would say, no one gave the Florida Panthers any hope against the President's Trophy-winning 
Boston Bruins, but here we are on this Tuesday to, to kick things off between these two teams. And head coach Sheldon Keefe knows that uh, this Panthers team is not going to be an easy out uh, no matter what uh, they say heading into this series after taking Boston to seven games and picking up victories like they did at TD Garden. is going to be a challenge for the Maple Leafs tonight. There's a lot to handle with this team. You know, I think the type of season they had, they flew under the radar in a lot of ways, you know, but uh, it's a, to many, maybe they call it a surprise that, that they're here. And that's probably more to do with, the, with who they played and who they beat than it is about them. I mean, it's a, this team won the President's Trophy a year ago, and, you know, a guy like Kachuk has come in and is playing better than he ever has throughout this season. And uh, they've been playing playoff like hockey for, for quite an amount of time. You know, they've, they're one of the top offenses in the NHL at five on five. So there's, there's a lot to, to contend with there, and you can see how and why they were able to put it all together. Uh, so, you know, we've got a great deal of respect for their game and, and feel good about our game and excited to get back at it. Yes, that name mentioned there, one very familiar to Flames fans and one that no doubt Leafs fans will get an up-close and personal look at this series, the name that Sheldon Keefe brought up there, Matthew Kachuk. Uh, a huge reason the Florida Panthers got past the Boston Bruins, uh, not only because of his play on the game-winning goal in Game 7, but just his overall play, 11 points so far in this postseason for Matthew Kachuk and uh, Ryan O'Reilly, well aware of the challenge that Matthew Kachuk will present from a Florida standpoint. It's tough, yeah. You know, obviously the player he is, the way he impacts the game, and you know, I feel like every shift he's doing something, whether it's putting in the net or you know, being an agitator, getting in guys' way, finishing checks. He just brings so many, so many elements to it that um, you know we have to try to wear him down again. We have to try to you know, be physical on him, make uh, make life difficult for him. Kachuk uh, tied with uh, Leon Dreisaitl and Mitch Marner with 11 points this postseason. Rupe hints of the Dallas Stars leading the way with 12. McDavid, Bouchard, Rantanen, Bertuzzi, and Marchand all trailing with 10 points each. And uh, should be a good one tonight. Looking forward to this one. Looking forward to uh, the crowd in Toronto for game one. Of course, a 5 o'clock puck drop across the Sportsnet television network. We're looking forward to that one. Later on tonight, the Seattle Kraken and the Dallas Stars. Can Seattle continue to play upset against the uh, Dallas Stars after picking up a big round one victory against the Colorado Avalanche. That one's a 7.30 puck drop, and uh, you can listen to that one right here on Sportsnet 960, the fan. But uh, now that round two is set and ready to go, we are set here on Sportsnet today to uh, give you our round two predictions. Uh, after round one finally wrapped up, we tallied the results, and uh, we're ready to go for round two. Cam and Taylor, outstanding production duo. Uh, alongside me every afternoon. Guys, you're ready to go for uh, round two selections? Ready to go, buddy. I'm a little little nervous about this one. Why are you nervous? You did you did the best of anybody in round one. I know, but this one's going to be a little questionable. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I, I don't like making bad decisions. You, you didn't make many in the first round. Uh, note that uh, our outstanding uh, morning show producer, technical producer Alex Brody, uh, from Brody on the beat, uh, who joined in for our round one picks, has thrown in his round two picks as well. So we'll continue uh, to bring him in on this. You can have your say uh, as well as we go through our round two predictions in the te- fan feedback line. It is 960-960. If you're listening live, feel free to give us your predictions uh, for the four round two series that begin tonight. And that's where we will start. 
Uh, quick reminder, looking back at the first uh, round of playoffs, we're doing two points per round. You get a point if you pick the correct team and a point if you correct the, uh, correctly guess the amount of games in this series. And uh, like I mentioned, Taylor, congratulations. You won round one. You're our leader in the clubhouse. Seven points in uh, the first round. You had Dallas in six, Carolina in six, New Jersey in seven, and you had the Golden Knights victory. So well done there. Uh, Cam, you got Dallas in six. Apparently everyone picked Dallas in six except for me, um, which is news to me. Should have taken some uh, advice from us then, I guess. Yeah, apparently. I got the East just absolutely demolished my side of things. But, uh, Cam, you got two points for Dallas in six. Thank you. You also correctly picked Edmonton, Vegas, Carolina, and Toronto to win their series, but you didn't get any of the games right in those. Uh, again, Brody had Dallas in six. He also had the Devils in seven, and he picked the Oilers. I got points for uh, Dallas, Edmonton, and Vegas. That is it. So I got some uh, work to do to come back and catch up with you guys. Uh, well, let's see how we're feeling about round number two. Leafs and Panthers is where we will start. The Toronto Maple Leafs finally in round two. You guys weren't even probably thoughts for your parents when uh, this last occurred back in 2004. I was five um, years old. Close enough. I um, was also a s- small child. Yeah, whatever. Uh, close enough. You, you were just irrelevant at the time. <laughs> you know um, what? I probably was. I was not even talking then. Yeah, exactly. So you were, you were there. but Starting kindergarten. Yeah, you weren't really doing fun things yet. Yeah. Um, and the Florida Panthers upsets over the Boston Bruins that cost us all points in the first round. Uh, but they're here. It should be a great series. Expect lots of offense. Uh, should be a lot of fun. And simply because she said she's the most nervous, uh, Taylor, you will start with your prediction. Leafs and Panthers. Where are you going? Florida and six. Wow. Okay. That was quick. That one's the one that I fully have the, the grasp on. Not nervous. That's the one I know. In six. Interesting. Do you want to back that up at all? Or are you just, why do you feel that way? Um, I just don't want just hate Toronto. Toronto. Yeah. Um, but also. Opposite of Cam, who wants to talk about nothing but Toronto. That's just not true. I think that when it comes down to it, Florida has the better goaltending with Bobrovsky and Lyon. Fair. I can't. Fair. It's interesting. I don't. Uh, I don't hate it for sure. Uh, Cam, you're going up next. Uh, who do you got? Panthers and Leafs. I mean, I'm gonna take the Leafs. It's gonna be Stunning. in seven because I think Taylor's right. I think Florida has much better goaltending, and Matthew Kachuk is a man on a mission right now. I just think the Leafs have too much top end talent, and I think it's gonna take the edge in this one. Uh, Alex Brody agrees with Cam. He has taken Toronto in seven games. I will differ from all of you, uh, except in the fact that I am taking Toronto, but I'm taking them in six games. I like it. I uh, don't want to talk about the Leafs as much as Cam does, <laughs> but um, I do think there is something to getting past that first round and letting momentum go. I think that this is a better matchup for Toronto offensively. And I just don't know that I'm just not sold that Florida is going to be able to stop what Toronto does offensively with all their superstars. Um, they did a good job against Boston, but this Leafs team is just a little bit different. And 
Uh, I've got a good feeling that Toronto feels a lot of pressure off of their shoulders, finally picking up a round one victory. So Cam and Alex go Toronto in six. Florida's got or Taylor's got seven. Florida in five in six. Jeez, <laughs> Toronto Too in hard. seven. Toronto in seven for me for and, Brody. and Brody. Florida in six for Taylor. I'm taking Toronto in six. There you go uh, for round two. Uh, other game tonight: Kraken and Dallas. Uh, Seattle took seven games against the Stanley Cup champion, no longer Colorado Avalanche. They will hand that trophy off to someone new this season. Um, and Dallas with a six-game victory uh, over the Minnesota Wild to get to round two. Dallas is your favorite heading into this one. Game one is at American Airlines Center in Dallas, Texas tonight. Uh, Cam, you will start us off for Stars and Kraken. I'm going to take the Stars in six on this one. I think, once again, it comes down to goaltending. I just, Jake Ottinger is just, I think, going to outplay Grubauer. And I think with that, plus Rupe Hintz, Jason Robertson, all the top-end talent, again, that Dallas has, I think it's just going to be too much for Seattle. Uh, Taylor. For me, I feel like this one is the hardest to predict because I don't want to uh, not, you know, I, I don't want to bet against Seattle again. And But Dallas has Jake Ottinger, and that scares me. But they're more, they're not as skilled as Seattle, I don't feel. They're more physical, but I have to go Seattle in seven. Wow. Seattle in seven. I like that. Seattle seven. Uh, Brody on the beat goes with the Dallas in six. That means three of us will go Dallas in six because I agree. Ooh. Um, biggest difference for me is is one that you both brought up, and that's Jake Ottinger. Um, I think that's a step up against uh, Alex Gorgiev in the in the Colorado Avalanche from last series, and I think this Dallas team is isn't going to find themselves down as much. As Colorado, and they should have every bit of proof to realize that Seattle's no joke coming off of a victory against Colorado. I don't think Dallas takes them lightly. Um, and I think that for me, this is where the story tale, the fairy tale ends for Seattle. It's just my opinion. I think it picked up a good victory in round one. I would be surprised if they did it in round two. This Dallas team just feels like they're set for a good run to the Western Conference final and maybe beyond. So. I'm going to take them in six. I, I do like to go with the better goaltending, and I do feel Dallas has a significant edge in that one. So, again, uh, three of us taking Dallas in six. Taylor differs going Seattle in seven. Uh, some text coming in at 960-960. Uh, this one says, Florida, too much momentum. Just check out the best team in history. Florida in five. Whoa, that's a bold one. That is spicy. Uh, this text is coming in with our West uh, predictions. Edmonton in seven, Seattle in seven, Toronto in six, Carolina in five. It's not bad. Interesting. Uh, and going back to our Matthew Kachuk conversation to start it off, uh, this text came in saying Matthew's a huge factor in the series, but I think Sam Bennett is going to give the Leafs hell this series. He is so good in the playoffs. Yep. You don't get the reputation of being playoff Sam Bennett um, unless playoff Sam Bennett's really good. And playoff Sam Bennett is pretty damn good. So uh, the Leafs will definitely have their hands full with those two uh, at their peak in this series. Uh, let's move to the next two uh, series, including the uh, only Alberta team left. That's the Edmonton Oilers. 
uh, Cam's favorite team. Uh, <laughs> now you just uh, twist my words. On uh, Wednesday, this series gets going from Las Vegas. It's the Oilers. It's the Golden Knights. Vegas got by Winnipeg in five games for the second straight year. The Oilers down to the Kings, this time in six games. They're going wild in Edmonton. They're pushing down barriers and getting in each other's way. It's a crazy party. They're selling out road games to watch it in, inside uh, Rogers Center. It's going to be a good one. Uh, Pacific Division showdown between the Golden Knights and the Oilers on Wednesday uh, Miss Taylor, you will start us off for Oilers and Golden Knights. I'm going to go Vegas in six. Golden Knights in six. Cameron. I'm going to take the Oilers. I'm going to take it in six. I don't think this goes any shorter than six. It's probably going to go seven, but I, I like the six number here. Uh, Brody on the beat. Oilers in six. You guys just copy each other? Yeah, he Cam? passed me his notes this morning uh, on my way in. Jeez. He's like, here's the picks. Okay, Try thanks. Change it up a bit, you two. Yeah, my bad. Um, <laughs> man, to me, this is the closest series. I really feel that way. It's really close. Uh, I think Vegas has a good chance of being able to. They've got some of those guys that are you know really strong two-way players that can help against McDavid and, and Drysdale. You never you never entirely slow them down, but you got to at least keep them from popping off for four or five points a night. I also feel like Vegas has a little bit of something to prove since they missed out on the playoffs last year. Yeah, absolutely. And it was like the first time in their franchise history that they missed out. For so sure. So they kind of got to take it far. Yeah, I, I feel that for sure. My my biggest worry is I just don't know how I feel uh, about Laurent Brassois. I just that's but Jonathan the, Quick is also there, Stanley Cup winner. I guess, but when does he get in? Right, uh, Vegas has got to be feeling good about Brassois coming off of those five against Winnipeg. But I don't know that I like the options. For me, Edmonton's got just too much firepower for this Vegas team. Maybe I'm wrong on it. I think this is the closest series. It really was a coin flip for me. I put Oilers in seven down. Uh, it pains me to do that, but I, I just. Again, goaltending means so much in this postseason, and I just maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Laurent Brassois can take Vegas all the way here, but I'm gonna have to see it before I believe it. So I'm gonna go Oilers in seven. So, so am I just on my own little island over here? You are. Yeah. Yes. Okay. You are. I'll you see are. you next round yeah. with. Uh, we'll see where you know, some we'll see, crazy pick. See where you differ in that one. Uh, so I've got Oilers in seven. Cam has Oilers in six. Alex Oilers in six. Uh, Taylor will be the favorite on the fan t- uh, feedback line as she takes Vegas in six games. Uh, last but certainly not least, this one, uh, the final series uh, to be determined after New Jersey uh, with a very dominant Game 7 victory over the New York Rangers advanced last night, setting up a matchup against the Carolina Hurricanes who got past the New York Islanders in six games. Uh, Carolina still without a number of key forwards, no Teravainen, no Pacioretty, and no Svechnikov heading into this series. The Devils uh, going with that uh, young stud goaltender to uh, pick things up for them. Akira Schmid came in and was dominant, picked up a shutout in the victory last night. Should be good uh, to go and should be a good matchup between these two teams out east. Uh, Cam, you'll kick us off for Devils and Hurricanes. This one's tough because I'll admit these are probably two of the teams that I 
I watched the least, right? But uh, just going through the rosters and looking at how the last series went for both these teams, I think I'm going to edge with Carolina, and I'm going I'm to put him in seven, but it's very close. Good for you. You differed from Alex Brody. Uh, ah. Taylor. Um, I'm going with Jersey in seven. Ooh. I think that they figured out how to, like, the playoffs, they figured them out in this series against New York after those two games. And I think that they, they're just kind of on a roll. And Schmidt has them going, and he's he's good. He looked really good, too, yesterday. Just looked on, just, like, I can't believe for a young goaltender in there. It was just like a massive spot, and he just didn't look phased at all. Now, not that New York put up the best, you know, showing against them, but I, I don't know. It just wasn't. It was impressive. Well, Schmidt played really well. Uh, Cam, you'll be the outlier in this series. Uh, I'm going to take the Devils in six games, and Brody is going to take the Devils in seven. Um, yeah, I'm. you know what, Taylor? You kind of just said it for me. I think New Jersey found the way that they need to play, and I think if they get that sort of offensive output, and we know they can from Dougie Hamilton and Jack Hughes and having guys like Palat in the playoffs, I just don't think Carolina can match that offensively. And if Schmidt is as good as he was in that series, um, there's not going to be a lot of goals to go around for Carolina. New Jersey looks like they've figured something out. Uh, we'll see if that's true against another opponent um, who's gotten some time to watch them from afar for a couple of days. But, um, yeah, I just I have a good feeling about this Devils team. They seem to be coming together at the right time, and they won't have nearly the in-house pressure of half of the fans wearing, you know, Rangers colors that they did at home games at Prudential Center. We know that won't be the case for Carolina uh, when it comes to being in New Jersey. So uh, we're going to go with uh, Taylor and Alex, New Jersey in seven. Cam takes Carolina in seven. I've got the Devils in six. Uh, Round two, of course, kicking off tonight with a pair of games, Panthers, Leafs, Kraken, and Stars. Some of your predictions on the fan feedback line at 960- Nine six zero. Our pal Matt and Cochran texting in. Uh, Leafs in six over the Panthers with at least one Geo and Chucky fight. I would like to see it. That would tug at the heartstrings of Flames fans. I don't know that Geo would do it. You'd have uh, to have a really good reason. I mean, I think, to drop him. Well, I mean, Matthew gives you a lot of reasons. Yeah. Let's be honest. It's not like he he is not asking for it sometimes. But I, I think they'll have their moments for sure. Matthew always seems to raise the ire of the opponent. And I can't imagine in Toronto with the crowd being as crazy as it's going to be that uh, Matthew won't be at his uh, you know best when it comes to being a pest for the other team. So uh, what else we got here? Uh, this one says Vegas in six double overtime winner. I like that. I can see that happening. Uh, this text comes in. I think when this was when we were talking about, or when I was talking about Laurent Persois. Yeah. Uh, this one says opposed to the playoff veteran and brick wall of Skinner question. I, I, I think Skinner's overall got a better record. I think he spent more time as a number one than Bressois has. I, I'm not saying that it's a massive goaltending advantage for 
for Edmonton, but I, I, I still think it's slight. Um, this one says, uh, my, my heart says Vegas, but my mind says Oilers logo. And I think that's uh, probably where a lot of Flames fans find themselves as we get set for round number two of the Stanley Cup playoffs. They kick off tonight. Panthers, Leafs at 5 o'clock. Kraken and Stars at 7.30. Not only can you watch the games on Sportsnet, but you can listen to both of them right here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. We will take a break, come back on the other side. Uh, Taylor's going to have those predictions up on social media so that you can uh, mock or cheer along with us uh, as you please. But uh, as we get into segment two of hour one, I want to take a look back at the previous opponent for the Vegas Golden Knights, uh, the Winnipeg Jets, out in five games uh, and they didn't go out quietly, at least not after the game. It started with head coach Rick Bonus with some really honest comments that seemed to elicit a couple of different responses, whether it be from fans or from his own players, and it's only been followed up by what the players said in the locker room clean-out day and even what the GM had to say. It's going to be an interesting offseason in Winnipeg. We'll preview it with our pal Ken Weave from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca. That's coming up next. You're on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. You're listening to Sportsnet Today with Logan Gordon on the home of the Flames. Sportsnet 960, The Fan. All right, we're rolling on here at Hour 1 of Sportsnet Today. Logan Gordon along with you. Uh, don't miss Peter Labardius, color voice of the Calgary Flames, with us to kick off Hour 2 of the program today. A little bit of a time juggle with our pal Lou today, but we'll get him on. We'll get more Flames thoughts after yesterday's big news about Daryl Sutter being relieved of his duties as the team's head coach, and we'll dive uh, maybe into some coaching candidates uh, that Lou would like to see behind the Flames bench coming up to kick off the next hour. But uh, taking a look back as uh, round two gets underway of the Stanley Cup playoffs tonight, taking a look back at some of the teams that will not participate in round two after a round one loss, uh, the Winnipeg Jets falling in five games to the Vegas Golden Knights now present us with one of the more interesting off-seasons, I think, across the NHL. And it all kicked off immediately following the Golden Knights' victory in Game 5 when Rick Bonus had some really genuine and honest comments that sat well with some people and didn't sit well with others. And it's been the talk of the town, and it's going to continue to be as we see what happens with the Jets this off-season. And uh, whenever we talk Winnipeg Jets hockey, there's no one we'd rather uh, have join us than Ken Weeb from Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca, kind enough to give us some time. The only Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline this afternoon. Ken, thanks as always for your time, man. How are you? My pleasure, Logan. I'm doing great, thanks. Uh, how are you guys? I certainly heard some of the predictions, some bold ones there, but uh, I like it. I like it. Some bold predictions. We'll see how they turn out. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Always like to uh, to add a little spice, have some fun with the producers, and uh, give us a little something to uh, to lean on to when your team's not in the postseason. So we're having fun with that. And uh, but like much like Winnipeg, Ken here, obviously the off season uh, coming into focus for different reasons in Calgary, obviously than it was uh, in Winnipeg. Take me back to uh, to Game Five, if you would, before we we sort of dive into what we've heard from some particulars around the Jets. What? What was the difference in, in Game 5 in that series between the Jets and the, the Golden Knights that led to Vegas uh, moving on to the second round in five games? Yeah, for sure, Logan. I, I think if the if the Jets' level of pushback had been the same in Game 5 as it was at the podium uh, on the weekend, the, they might still be playing, uh, or they at least would have given them, themselves a chance for a Game 6, if not a Game 7. But 
the biggest issue here, Logan, is that this wasn't just a one-off for the Jets. They definitely, they had pushback in the series, especially Game 3, obviously rallying from three goals down in the third period to force overtime and double overtime. There was pushback within the series, but... Uh, in the broader sense, you know, this was very similar to Game 6 against the St. Louis Blues in 2019. After the Jets lost a heartbreaker at home in Game 5, they definitely no-showed in that game in St. Louis. They did the same in Game 5 here. Sure, Vegas played its best game of the series, but the Jets' biggest stars were basically nowhere to be found in that game. Very similar to the Rangers last night against the Devils in a, in a series that, you know, although they, were, they weren't the favorite necessarily, they had more experience and were expected to win, so... Obviously, injuries were a factor. No Mark Shifley, no Josh Morrissey would obviously impact the outcome and the result. But they just didn't have a great series overall. And after being so, you know, I would borderline dominant in game one, and I say that because they only gave up 17 shots on goal, um, they, they just didn't find that level again for the majority of the series against a very deep Vegas school, the Knights team. And and that's why the, there's been so much angst and, and uh, borderline outrage from the fan base here uh, over the weekend, whether it was listening to players or, you know, Rick Bonus or Kevin Dayoff And in their assessments, um, Rick, was, Rick was the one who was trying to raise the standard. And that was also met with a little bit of pushback, which, which was interesting. Yeah, let's go there because his post-game comments obviously started this broader conversation with Winnipeg. And while it, at times harsh, I, I thought his comments came off as, as pretty genuine and honest. And I think, you know, as we heard from him a bit later on, Ken, he talked about, you know, walking some of the words back and the emotion of being right out of game five, maybe took some of those further than he would say. But I heard a lot of people around the Winnipeg Jets, whether it be fans or different people, Ken, who said this is an organization that needs that level of honesty. But there was some pushback on it. Like you mentioned, how surprised were you a, to hear what you heard from Rick, and then B, how you've sort of taken in the response from everybody in the organization. Yeah, I mean, this didn't come out of the blue, which is what some of the players suggested at the podium. I mean, Rick Bonus several weeks earlier in San Jose basically said if some of those top players think they're trying their best, they're dreaming. Like, very similar, different verbiage, sure, but similar message. Uh, and I think that was the biggest issue for him. I mean, we know you and I've discussed the, the the benching of Mark Scheifele and Kyle Connor in Carolina in March. Uh, there was still some residue from that in the series. You know, Kyle Connor scored four goals in the series, but uh, for the majority of the time, he didn't really leave a stamp on the series. Yes, he scored one of those games in game one. But after that, like Mark Stone put his stamp on the series. Chandler Stevenson put his stamp. So did Jack Eichel. And the Jets' big guns, and I'm not just singling out Kyle Connor because Shifley struggled before his injury. Um, you know, even Pierre-Luc Dubois had a really, you know, maybe I would say two good games out of five. So, like, their their stars just didn't elevate when they really needed to. Uh, you know, losing Josh Morrissey in the first five minutes of game three was a crushing blow for a defense that just couldn't, you know, make up for the loss of its Norris Trophy candidate. But ultimately, I didn't hear any of the comments. Like, you see what... Chris Kreider and those guys were saying the Jets weren't just they should they weren't just built to make the playoffs although they missed last year yes that's true this core with so many expiring contracts in 2024 their best chance to win is now unless there's a bunch of extensions which I'm not certain are coming around the corner so it seemed as though Kevin Sheveldayoff was really leaning into the making the playoffs in five of the six years and as you're well aware Calgary knocked the Jets out of the qualifying round. So 
that's a t- you know are we counting that are we not counting that is it really four to six is it five I mean that it's you know really not much of a difference but the fact of the matter is the Jets were kind of glossing over the fact they won one playoff series sorry Shemeldev was glossing over the fact that they'd won one series since that remarkable run in 2018 to the conference final and I think that's where the outrage and the angst and the and the frustration comes from. Of course, it's a it's a, it's an accomplishment to make the playoffs. And yes, as we've seen with Seattle and with Florida, if you get in, the team has a chance. That's accurate. But not a lot of those teams win the cup. And I, I think ultimately, people want the standard to be raised. And they felt as though the Jets' general manager should have been aiming higher. Now, of course, the goal is to win the Stanley Cup, but. You know, when you invest and reinvest in the, in the core that hasn't been able to push you past that point, now people start to wonder if it, if it isn't time to make changes. And Kevin Chimelev always keeps his cards close to the vest, Logan. We know that. Mm-hmm. We've seen it for 12 years, and we'll see it for a 13th. No one was saying, yes, I'm going to trade Mark Shifley, or yes, I'm going to sign Connor Hellebuck. But the fact he couldn't distinguish whether or not the Jets were going to be going into a rebuild, having a retool, was interested in signing those players, that vagueness didn't go over very well at a time where, let's face it, the Jets had five sellouts this year. That, that's not enough, and that, that means that the fan base is asking for more, and they'd like a little bit more direction when it comes to the investment of their entertainment dollar. Is it fair to say, Ken, and obviously he would do it in different terms if he was to go down this direction, but it, it, the one thing that I, I kept hearing after Cheval Dayoff spoke and uh, a couple of people, including when I read your article at sportsman.ca, were hoping for was, Yes, that direction from the GM, but maybe even a little bit more honesty like the coach had said. Obviously, we weren't expecting him to come out and and, and say the same thing that that Rick Bonus had said after the game, but they were hoping for maybe a little bit more honesty from him. And look, maybe that's just not his MO, but I think it was something that they were looking for, and you've talked about that direction. It just doesn't feel like they're being told what that direction is right now. For sure. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's one thing. Everyone knows he loves the core. And yes, it's great that this team got along better. There was way less dysfunction than last year when so many players spoke out about being ticked off about how the season went when they failed to meet those lofty expectations. But just the simple fact would have been, would just have been nice to hear Kevin Shevel Dayoff say they want more, or this is what we're doing. You know, we've given this core a really nice run here. It hasn't worked out we're probably going to have to go in a different direction with some of these guys. Now, it's easy to say, well, Kevin Chemeldayoff doesn't want to show his cards and doesn't want to say, you know, these guys are on the market, you know, to, to somehow think that that diminishes their value. I mean, come on, Mark Scheifele had 42 goals. You don't think that's going to be value to some organization? It's not no one's saying that he's a bad person or that he can't play. Everyone knows that he can play. He's an extremely offensively gifted player. He had six previous seasons of a point a game or higher. So, you're not diminishing the value by saying you might have to look at adding some pieces. I mean, that was the other part that was a little bit strange. And I don't know. I just think that the organization as a whole could benefit from a little bit more transparency. Now I understand that's not, you know, necessarily Kevin's personality, but I think in this case it would have probably benefited him some more. Now, ultimately Logan, this is simple. It's the actions of this summer that will determine the job that Kevin Sheveldayoff does and how he will be judged and graded. But I just think that, to me, and, and I wrote it, you know, I know you read it. To me, this was reminiscent of Kevin, uh, Sheldon Keith and the, saying the Leafs won the handshake line. I mean, mm-hmm. the Jets won their exit meetings because the mood was better? Come on. Like, that—that that is not something... 
that should be celebrated. That was in participation ribbon territory for me. And, you know, I get it. Winning is hard. Everyone knows this. If you guys know that in the Calgary market, things are difficult. But when expectations aren't met, changes get made. And we know it's different. You know, Brad walked away on his own uh, volition and accord. But, you know, when players spoke out about the coach, a coaching change was made, right? Mm -hmm. So, and again, I'm not saying they should have cleaned house here. It just was odd, you know. Rick Bonus seemed to be the guy who spoke about with the most passion and pride about what being a Jet meant to him. Yet, you know, the most emotion we saw was the people speaking out about maybe the fact that their feelings were hurt or they didn't appreciate it being shared in, on a public forum, which to me, those don't really align with priorities of a franchise that is on the verge of, you know, being a you know, perennial contender or a Stanley Cup champion. Yeah. Uh, Ken Lieb along with us, Sportsnet, Sportsnet.ca. We're talking all things Winnipeg Jets uh, after being eliminated by the Golden Knights in five games. Interesting offseason looms for them, Ken. Uh, a couple of the names that you brought up, and i got to imagine uh, the top of the list as far as priorities go for this team is uh, Connor Hellebuck, who will enter next season on the final year of his deal. He, he spoke to the media and said, look, a Stanley Cup is his goal and wants to make sure that that's you know, what's coming for him is getting him signed pen to paper priority one for this group, or is that even possible until he sees more change and sees the direction of where this team is going? Yeah, Logan, chicken and egg on that one, plus Dubois and Shifley, right? Yeah. So, what do you? How do you? How do you prioritize your number one goalie versus your number one and two center position, where all three are in the same situation? are essentially the same situation. Mm-hmm. You know, two of them are pending UFAs in 2024. The other is an RFA with Arb rights and one year away from unrestricted free agency. So it, it's a tough spot, right? So I think Hellbuck would be the priority, yes. But to me, I mean, Logan, you heard it too. There was a lot of, you know, past tense in his... Now, again, we sometimes overvalue the importance of some of these meetings we know players are ticked off they're two two days removed they're with their teammates for the final time but there seemed to be an almost like you know finality to some of his words now i could be misinterpreting those words um you know we know connor is a very emotional person and a bit of a different cat at times but he wants to win that is the thing that you mentioned that's the thing that he's mentioned numerous times but the fact that the guy who has the you know the most power of positivity attitude was basically saying there's a lot of talented individuals. Maybe it wasn't the right mix. Now, was that a farewell? Was he just saying maybe the Jets need changes? But what he was saying quite vehemently is he doesn't want to be part of a rebuild. The other part that was very strange to me was that when the franchise goalie is saying, I'm not sure if I'm part of the Jets' plans, now that that was odd to me because uh, that either suggests that he's not comfortable in the direction or he doesn't think the Jets are going to pay the salary required for him to be one of the highest paid goalies in the NHL. So that that's the big question to me. Are the Jets willing to go at, you know, north of 8.25, and, which is what Blake Wheeler has as the highest paid player? Are they willing to go north of nine to get Hellebuck on, you know, six, seven, eight year term? I mean, we talk about legacy contracts all the time and they can sometimes get an organization in trouble, but you can't argue the fact that Hellebuck has provided, you know, high end uh, elite level goaltending here for the majority of his tenure. So how, how can you replace that player? If you uh, a either don't sign a Jonas Corpusello and you know, Jonas Corpusello hasn't played at Hellebuck level to this point in his career, even though he did a nice job with the LA Kings who are pretty structural defensively. 
you know, is, is there something with Boston? Was Allmark sitting in game seven because of his injury or because he's fallen out of favor? I mean, I don't know. You know, it's hard to find value. Let me just put it this way. It's hard to find value for one of the guys who's considered, let's say, at least in the top you know, three to five in the NHL if he's not higher on that list. Can the Winnipeg Jets bring back Blake Wheeler for another season, Ken, or has this sort of reached an impasse? Yeah, I mean, for me, Logan, I think there too. Blake sounded like someone who has played his last game with the Jets. He didn't come right out and say it. And yes, we should preface this by saying, you know, he was asked specifically about his legacy, which caused the pregnant pause in the answer. But I just think that it's probably time for both sides. We know that they considered a divorce last summer. Jets not really wanting to retain salary. Uh, do I think Blake will be traded? I'm not sure. He still has some control over that. Do I think he could be bought out? The Jets have only bought out one player in 12 seasons, and that's Mark Stewart. It happened going into his last year. His number was a lot lower. I think it was closer to the $3 million range instead of 8.25. So would the Jets be comfortable doing that? I mean, this is a guy, maybe they retain 50%, Logan, right? I mean, this is a guy who still mm-hmm. had 50-plus points. He was one of their best players in the playoffs. You know, there were lots of nights where the tank was running empty, but the one thing with Wheeler, he gives you every single thing that he has. His body has also broken down over the last couple of years. He's been an Ironman for a long time. He's played through ridiculous injuries that none of us would want to go through in our lives. Uh, Is there a mental toll that has gone with the emotional and physical toll? Yes, absolutely. But do I think the Jets are probably going to move on or Blake is going to ask to move on? Yes, I do. Uh, He's had 12 mostly remarkable years in this market. He raised his family here. He was a very good captain for a long time. But it just feels like I don't think Blake would be comfortable in a role as a third liner on this team. And I think that in order for the Jets to kind of push through with their team, depending on how those other trades look, I think that, you know, leaving a little bit more oxygen in the room for some of those young emerging leaders to like fully have that opportunity to do so, that's probably not happening until Blake has moved on to another organization or, you know, either retires or ends up on Robodaw Island or any of those factors. But uh, it's just, I, I don't think that like Blake holds himself to an incredibly high standard and he still played at a high level for a good chunk of this year. You also could see this was the first year where that wear and tear on the body started to show in terms of getting from A to B, like the effort was always there. He just wasn't getting to places the same way that he used to. And and, and that's natural for anyone who's played as many games in the NHL as he has. So uh, I think this is a guy who the next time he comes back, it'll be when his number 26 goes into the Jets, uh, you know, Hall of Fame or Ring of Honor, or maybe he comes in as, as a visiting player. But I, I think he's played his last game with the Jets. Now, I could be surprised and, you know, he rolls into camp in September, but I would say the chances are pretty good that he's going to move on. I don't know if the conversation is the same in Winnipeg as it has been here in Calgary, Ken, when it's come to uh, the captaincy and not having one this year. It was a huge topic here in Calgary, and it will be one until they name a captain. Was it a, a point of contention at all throughout the year for Winnipeg to name a captain? And I guess to that degree, not knowing what it'll look like in September, would you expect this organization to have a captain come next season? It's a great question. I don't think it was a real issue, and you know, the I wouldn't say it's a surprising issue, but a lot of players are mentioning that they still looked at Blake as the captain, and that's not a knock on Blake, but if the whole point was to have other people embracing the the voice, then that was a little bit of confusing in the terms of the messaging uh, with some of the players. But Jets have two great candidates for a captain. 
uh, Adam Lowry, and both with Calgary Connections, uh, Logan. <laughs> uh, both Josh Morrissey and Adam Lowry, I would say, would be the front runners for the captaincy. They would be, both be a great choice. Um, obviously, different styles of player and different styles of leader, but they're both lead-by-example people. Uh, very thoughtful, articulate, and intelligent. Uh, I think both would do an excellent job in that role. And I'm just not sure what the you know what will d- differentiate those two. I'm not sure. There aren't a ton of you know quote unquote third liners who are captains in the NHL anymore. But Adam is definitely a leader. But Adam was also a leader when he didn't have a letter on his chest. So I'm not sure how that goes. You know, obviously Morrissey. Uh, is an all-star. He has a little bit of a higher profile. Now, does that give him an edge or a nod? I'm not sure. But what I what I know is that the Jets will be comfortable with either guy as a leader for them. Uh, they'll both be part of the leadership group moving forward, and they'll both do an excellent job in that on that regard. I don't think not having a captain is as big an issue as, as some fans or, or some media members think it is. Uh, I think people lead whether they have a letter or not, and you know, quite frankly. Um, you know, that's how I feel about it. But, you know, look at the Vegas Golden Knights. I know you were talking about them earlier, Logan. I mean, don't worry about Persuas. This team has rolled with five goalies and they still ended up being first in the West despite all the injuries they've had. And their emotional leader is back playing at an extremely high level. And I think you're going to notice him a lot playing against Dreisaitl and or McDavid in the next round. And the thing with Vegas, the mobile defense, Shea Theodore, Alex Petrangelo, they're kind of equipped to handle it. And then you've got guys like Stevenson and Eichel that, that match up pretty well against them. Anyway, sorry, I don't need to then no, no, veer off to another place. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, are there, is there a benefit for having an emotional leader like Mark Stone who celebrates yeah. every single goal like Alex Ovechkin or uh, I love it, you yeah. know, expressive Mark Stone. Of course people would get fired up for that, but I just don't think that every team needs that. And not every leader is like that. So uh, I think that the Jets will be in good hands whether they decide to name a captain or not. And I would expect there to be a new captain named uh, by training cap next year, uh, barring something unforeseen. Uh, Ken, always appreciate the time. I, I love the latest. I always catch up with your stuff at, at sportsnet.ca and uh, following the shovel day off comments. I thought it was great work as always. And I uh, appreciate you taking time out for us. Anytime we want to talk Jets, you're always there for us. Uh, make sure to get the golf clubs out. I'm sure you'll have some time over the next couple of weeks. And uh, I'm sure we'll check in sometime during the off season as the Jets and other teams make some moves uh, heading into the fall again. Thanks again for the time, Ken. My pleasure. Uh, thanks for having me, and enjoy the uh, the double search in your market. I have been following that closely as well. It should be interesting to see how everything uh, transpires, that's for sure. Enjoy the playoffs, and I'm going to do try to do better than 4-4 four and four this round, and I hope the same for you. <laughs> Thank you, Ken. In the, in the booth there. Thanks very day. much, pal. Bye now. Ken Weeb, Sportsnet and Sportsnet.ca, covering all things Winnipeg Jets. Kind enough to give us some time down the Atlas Peace and Sports Bar guest hotline. Yes, things getting very interesting when it comes to the Winnipeg Jets, their uh, post-season comments after falling out to the Golden Knights, Rick Bonus, honest to the point. I played the comments after they happened. We loved them. I loved that kind of honesty. But some people in Winnipeg apparently didn't. Uh, Blake Wheeler didn't appreciate that his, his coach was that honest. Well, I'm sorry, Blake, he told it how it was. And then the GM comes out, and you heard from Ken, and you can read his article at sportsnet.ca. And the same old generic flat answers just don't get it done anymore. And this is a team that can be a lot better, should be a lot better. I know they went through injuries, but to to battle as hard as they did to get into the postseason and to limp out in five games, you didn't win anything. So 
somebody being honest that you didn't win anything and that you weren't very good getting there. I don't think that's a bad thing. If anything, I think you want you want more people to be like Rick Bonus. And yes, were some of the words probably hard to discuss? Yeah, okay, maybe he chooses a better word next time if your your feelings are hurt about that. But I I like that the guy was honest, and uh, I think a lot of fans like that he was honest. And this is a team that, not unlike Calgary, we've talked a lot about similarities there. And I'm, they've got a coach and a GM in Winnipeg, and they know what their situation there is, but. Not all that different. The massive UFAs coming up next season for Winnipeg. What do you do with Mark Shifley? Can you move Blake Wheeler at $8.25 million? Connor Hellebuck says, I'm not here for a rebuild. I'm here to win a Stanley Cup. Well, he's got one year left on his contract. In the next four months, can you prove to that guy, we're not going to be rebuilding in your time here? Or do you have to ship him off? If he's not going to be there... What are you doing if you're Winnipeg? You don't have the next, you know, there's no Spencer Knight hanging around in Winnipeg right now. If that guy's not all in, you've got major questions. I am incredibly fascinated by what's going to happen in Winnipeg, and uh, I'm extremely lucky that whenever something like that happens, uh, someone like Ken Weeb is able to pick up the phone and uh, join us. He came down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Uh, brought to you by Alice Pizza and Sports Bar, using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out our delivery at 403-248-3344. We will take a break, come back, kick off hour two like we usually kick off hour one. It's time for a chat with Lou next here on Sportsnet 960 The Fan.